Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally here I can feel the change in the way right now Nothing's in my way Dr. Jess Armline coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. A special hello to my friends in New Zealand where it is noontime tomorrow and my friends in Australia and in Sydney it's 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow and in Perth it's I believe 8 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. We all know what time it is in the United States so that's good enough for me. Tonight we have a really special program. It's different from what we usually do. We're always talking about genetic polymorphisms. We're talking about the effect of genetic polymorphisms on this, that, and the other thing. But there's a whole other realm of genetic problems out there that families have been dealing with um, for many, many years. Um, things like trisomy 21 and you know, what is more commonly known as Down syndrome. I know, I know they don't like that uh, particular um, reference because it has a lot of stigma. These are chromosomal disorders. So I have a, a patient and a um, and a very fascinating mother who, um, you know, took up the gauntlet here and uh, decided to make a life for her child. Um, just think about it. Uh, here you are, you're starting to see your child um, is developing nice, but something is progressively going wrong. And you finally get tested, and you're told by the medical stat- establishment that, well, <clears throat> let's face it, this kid's going to be autistic. He's going to have mental retardation. Um, he's going to have cardiovascular abnormalities, cognitive def- deficits, learning disabilities, ADD, OCD, short stature, failure to thrive, and even worse, malocclusions of the teeth. And let's face it, there's nothing you can do about it, so you might as well just put up with it. Well, you know, there are beginning songs that says people have faith of the heart, you know, faith to believe and strength of the soul. Well, this mom has all of those in spades. Now, the interview I'm about to play for you was recorded a few days ago because of the time difference involved. Uh, She's obviously in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, So I'm going to do my little uh, housekeeping right now before we get to it. Um, Let me tell you, everybody around here, in the Philadelphia area about our seminar that's coming up on May 30th. That's a Saturday. Clinical Applications of Nutrigenomics and Neuroendoimmunology, Connecting the Dots. This will be taught by Sean Bean and myself. 
Gay, and we're going to be teaching healthcare providers how to dynamically evaluate neuroscience testing data and determine root cause and how to do root cause analysis, properly apply methylation to improve clinical outcomes, understand and engage in foundational treatment, which is the missing link in healing, and how to bring neurotransmitters and functional genetics into your practice. Uh, this is going to be really it's a one-day seminar. It's going to be a little fast, but it's going to be um, very meaningful. It's going to be from 8.30 in the morning to, I guess, about 4.30 in the afternoon, because I'm going to talk very, 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 very fast. Uh, anyone who is interested in taking the uh, class should uh, contact us at uh, 610-449-9716 or uh, contact us at bioindividualmed at gmail.com. You can go to our website, methylationsupport.com, click the uh, seminar link, clinical applications of nutrigenomics and so forth, and uh, you'll be led to all the information that you need. There is a cost. It's very minimal at $99, and for six hours of world-class training, I think that is um, wonderful. Second, we have now published a list of recommended methylation practices. If I could speak the English language, it would be good, huh? Uh, recommended methylation practitioners. We have heard you people. We have heard all the stories of people going to doctors to say that they do methylation or understand nutrigenomics, and after spending the good Lord's own fortune, you know as, as well as I do, they do not. So <clears throat> instead of posting a list of people who have simply attended a course, Sean and I have gone a step further, okay? And that is... We're not actually doing certification yet, but we have a list of practitioners. If you go to our website at methylationsupport.com and click the recommended methylation practitioners, you'll see it's only about seven or eight people now, um, practitioners who are well-trained in bioindividualized medicine who have not only been well-trained, but have been taught and mentored by Sean and I, basically grilled. And we are very convinced that they understand how to engage in bioindividualized medicine. They are willing to take the time to do it. In essence, you guys have asked how many people out there are like Sean and I, and we're developing a list of people who you can trust. Of course, I can't take responsibility for anybody's actions, but we've done our due diligence to make sure that these individuals um, do, in fact, understand methylation, nutrigenomics, neuroendoimmunology, and the like, and are willing to practice it and don't have an ego and know when to call when there's a problem. <clears throat> if your healthcare practitioner is interested in getting on our list, okay, there is a set of criteria that is going to change soon, but it's a beginning criteria, and it's right there if you'd like to read it. Also, where I'm starting this week is a another link that says radio show links. So any websites that our speakers give us, I'm going to put into a link on that um, on our website that says radio show links. And if you go to that, you'll see Max's story, Hope, for Ho Hope from Hopelessness, and a link to the Rockier World websites. So I am going to play my interview with Melissa, okay, which includes my introduction of her. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, it's a, it's a recording, so I'm sorry that we can't have a Q&A directly, but if you email me questions or text me questions over the chat, I will make sure that I ask 
uh, the speaker. Okay, so you know no, nothing actually will be lost. And uh, you're going to find her to be a fascinating and impressive woman. She's got two wonderful boys. These kids are cute. Okay, I've seen them, and I've worked with them a little bit. I'm very impressed. Here's a woman that just simply didn't give up and said, I'm not going to believe that my son is going to have to live like this. Okay, and frankly, take a good listen because here it comes. To you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. This week, we have another story of hope something that you haven't been exposed to before, at least on my show. I have a very uh, wonderful mother, somebody who everyone would aspire to be, and she has a son with chromosomal chromosomal abnormalities, which is different from the polymorphisms, and we'll explain that as we go along. But first, I'd like to um, introduce Melissa. Melissa, say hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Oh, very good. And Melissa, we're coming live from New Zealand, right? That's right. Which is very cool. You, you are the uh, inclusion of a lot of the uh, stories that I tell when I say that I have friends everywhere. I'm like, I have friends in New Zealand down by Stewart Island. The next place you go is Antarctica, and I even know the Empire Penguins. You know, and <laughs> I love people because they sit there and they wonder, does he really know the penguins? I don't know. <laughs> but we're not going to argue because he's the doc. What can I say? Okay, so <clears throat> if you'll excuse me. Uh, let me give you. Let me give this a little introduction. And uh, if I have to uh, cough a little bit, I'm a little bit under the weather. I've got a bit of a cold. Hold on a sec. <clears throat> there we go. All right, so Melissa is trained to be a high school teacher, but after a short stint in a U.S. school system, she became quickly disenchanted. With mainstream education, she then became a real estate broker and owned and ran her own successful real estate office. You know, they know they know when I'm doing an interview because they'll go back and forth with these sirens. Okay. Like, hey, he's on the phone. Let's go back and forth. Okay. Uh, Melissa has traveled extensively and studied alternative health and education just out of the interest uh, that she had. But the birth of her first child brought that study to the forefront <clears throat> when her child was diagnosed with a rare chromosomal disorder called Pataki-Lupitsky syndrome, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, uh, otherwise known as PTLS. Since then, Melissa has been a busy researcher and mom to her two small boys. And I will tell you, my friends, who have been listening to me for the past couple of years, that there is no one more impressive than a mom researching for her children. There is somebody you don't want to get in front of, okay, because you just better be able to answer the questions because they are women on a mission. So, Melissa, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate so much the time that you're spending uh, with us tonight. Oh, no, thank you, Dr. Jess. It's nice to be here. Uh, So today we're here to talk about what can be done to help children with chromosomal disorders. And again, uh, people, we've been talking about, you know, epigenetic polymorphisms, like Oh, God, MTHFR, you know my my opinion about just concentrating on MTHFR, okay, or MAOA, COMT. These polymorphisms are not chromosomal uh, disorders. The polymorphisms are an, are an estimate of how the enzymes associated with the gene, the gene creates an enzyme, how it will work, okay? It may work well, it may work at 60%, 10%, and that gives you an indication 
that something, some biochemical pathway may not work under a set of oxidative stress. But chromosomal disorders is a completely different order. And um, tell us a little bit, if you would, what was the hardest thing about finding out your son Max had a chromosomal disorder? And if you, uh, if you would, maybe just a short couple of sentences, what is a chromosomal disorder? Okay, well, a chromosomal disorder, there's many of them out there. And basically, it's when we've got, you know, we've got a set amount of, of chromosomes. Um, it's when you have a little bit extra or a little bit missing. So you can call that, you know, a trisomy, and that can be of a complete, um, a complete chromosome, as in Down syndrome. They've got an extra chromosome 21. Or in the case of PTLS, there's a little bit repeated. So the arm of... Um, the 17th chromosome, one of the arms, there's a little bit extra in there. It's sort of like you, if the pattern goes A, B, C, D, E, F, this would go A, B, C, A, B, C, D, E, F. So there's there's an extra an extra little bit in there with, with a whole bunch of extra genes. Um, and, that's, and then there's also um, when you can have little bits missing as well. So you might have a little bit extra or you might have a little bit less. So you've just got, you've got a variation on the theme. Interesting that uh, the chromosomes, just like you said, a little bit extra, a little bit less, makes a real big deal. Okay, yeah. whereas in the epigenetic polymorphisms, the fact that you have a polymorphism does not mean you're ill. It is all a matter of the traffic going through the pathway. So this is a this is a horse of a different color. To uh, quote, um, uh, what was the movie? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I forget. Okay. Um, so what was the hardest thing about finding out that your son Max had a chromo chromosomal disorder? Well, the hardest thing um, was really the idea that that there's nothing you can do. You know, um, prior to that, we'd obviously noticed that there was some things not quite right with his development and we were getting worried and we were nervous, but you've got these hopes as a parent, oh, well, maybe it's just a dietary thing. Maybe it's you know, he's got a little bit of toxicity here and we'll give him some herbs and he'll be fine. So, you know, there's all these things you think you can do to help. Um, but when you get this um, chromosomal diagnosis, it's like there's nothing you can do. It's in your chromosomes. You can change anything, but you can't change the chromosomes. Um, they're there. You've got a bit too much or, or, you know, a duplication or a deletion and there's nothing you can do. It's just essentially there's a spanner in the works jamming up the system and this child's going to have health problems forever. Um and it's just that feeling. It's, it's a really damning kind of feeling. It's like there's nothing you can do to help your child. And, and, that, and that was the hardest thing. Um, that feeling of hopelessness and helplessness, I understand yeah. it well. But um, even though there was a whole long list of cognitive and physical problems that allegedly went along with PTLS, okay, you, and you felt initially that there was no hope, uh, and there was going to be just this big long list of limitations that you're going to have to put up with, uh, you found out that that wasn't exactly true, was it? Yeah, I mean, that's right. And the good thing is that we'd, I guess we got the diagnosis a little bit later. We'd started already playing around. We're like, okay, well, he's really struggling with some things. Let's let's try some alternative therapies for developmental delays. Let's, let's just look into some things. And we tried chiropractic care. Um, we tried just simple things like one of our most successful and the first thing we did is going all right let's go back to basics let kids need nature so we take him out in the forest every day and we'd encourage him to walk or move or explore and we notice these real um developmental jumps after all of these and we're like okay this 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 can be changed so this all happened before we got the diagnosis and then when we got the diagnosis um admittedly that was like being hit by a bus and it, it definitely um knocks you off your tracks for a while 
Um, but that little part of my brain sort of was kick, kicking in saying, you know, there's got to be something you can do about this. There's, you know, um, let's look at dietary, let's look at physical, let's look at what these extra genes are doing to his body and let's try to figure out um, what's going on and, and see see what else is going on out there with other kids with similar conditions. That's a wonderful attitude to have because no matter what happens, okay, sometimes you can't change what is, but the downstream effects or any domino effects, if you will, those things can be moderated or mitigated to a certain degree. And uh, you can give your son a much better quality of life. And obviously you've done the research to prove that. And so you're a model person when it comes to people realizing that they may have an, not permanent, but a unten- not even an untenable position uh, because you're proving that PTLS or any of the uh, chromosomal disorders like trisomy 21 or Down syndrome aren't the death sentence they used to be. And there's things that can be done to improve quality of life, cognition, so on and so forth. That's very impressive. So um, so let's go back to the beginning. I'm, I'm famous for going right back to the <laughs> the core of things. It's my, it's my trademark anymore. Uh, were there signs before or at birth in his first year that could have alerted you that Max was different? Um, uh, looking back, there were. There was definitely things that were different about Max, um, but at the time we most certainly didn't um, pick them up as being red flags or anything. I mean, from birth, he actually looked different. Uh, he looked like those little china doll babies that are just beautifully etched and carved. I mean, he looked more like a, a doll. Most babies have got kind of squishy, pudgy faces and all of the rest of it. Mm-hmm. When I, when actually, when I had my second child, I looked at him and I hadn't, we didn't have Max's diagnosis at that point. And I was like, oh, no, he's ugly. <laughs> Which is a terrible <laughs> thing to say, but it just wasn't what I expected a baby to look like. He was squishy, little red. <laughs> Whereas Max was just, he looked amazing. He was this little china doll, beautifully carved. And actually the nurses were all in love with him. They kept on taking him away and showing him to the other nurses and saying, look at this baby, he's incredible. And um, and so he was just really beautiful. Everyone looked at him and said, oh, he's he's an old soul. He's a, he's a wise spirit. There's something special about him. And so there was, there was that. And I'd actually like to come back to that later because um, you lose that feeling that there's something special when you get a, a, a chromosomal um, diagnosis. But it, it's actually true. All of that stuff that you thought was extra special about your child is true, but I'll, I'll talk about that some more later. Um, but then as he developed, um, he always looked like a little boy. He never looked like a baby. He did have features that were different to other children his, his same age. Um, um, he would sit there and instead of playing or engaging, he just liked to play with like a ribbon or, or a, a jar lid for a long time. And he'd just play with this one object and just look at it. And, and as a new parent, you know, we thought all of this was, was just wonderful. He had, you know, superior motor skills and he was mm-hmm. a real into the fine details of things. And so it was all couched in really good terms. Um, but it wasn't until, I guess, after he was about a year old, that we really started to notice a difference because whereas other kids take off after about a year of age and they're into everything and they're engaging with everything, they want to know everything, Max was just very happy in his own world. Like he had this amazing smile that can, you know, melt icebergs. Um, He would look at you and give you this beautiful eye contact and beautiful smile, but he never wanted to connect with you. He never wanted to find out what was in the world around him. He just sort of looked at things and smiled, kind of like a little Buddha, you know, which is gorgeous, mm-hmm. but definitely not what other kids his age were doing. Um, 
And I guess it wasn't until we took him to, he'd get overwhelmed with things like if we took him to music and movement, um, he would just cry. There was a lot of stimulus like that was overwhelming. He had, he'd try to feed himself, but his arms would like fling away the food spontaneously. And we're kind of like, oh, what is, what is this? So there was lots of these little things. Um, he couldn't seem to, to learn. Um, you know, we teach clapping or you teach a song as you do for a little child. Um, and it would take about three days to learn something like how to copy clapping. And then if we didn't practice it the next day, he would have forgotten it and we'd have to go back and do it again. So we were kind of like, oh, he's, he seems unable to learn these new skills in order to build on them. So we started noticing stuff like that. Um, and then one day we took him to a new preschool and he was or like a playgroup and he was overwhelmed and he spent the whole time just walking up and down the ramp. He didn't want to play with the toys, engage with the children. And we just, we looked at that and we're like, okay, this is, <laughs> this is definitely really different. We really need to look into this some more. Very good, very good. So he was um, he was interesting. He was he didn't want to engage. He would some people would just call that introverted behavior, mm-hmm. and say, well, he's just that's normal for him. But uh, how did you know that um, that this wasn't just being introverted or uh, what? How did you find out that he had PTLS? Well, we ended up talking to a lot of people. We'd, you know, we'd, you know, ask a preschool teacher, or we'd ask. We've got the the, well, the baby well nurses here, and um, and actually, one of them, um, it's a great diet, and we're really trying, but he wasn't developing at speed. And um, and this nurse, after questioning me and finding out I didn't feed my son gluten, he didn't get bread, he didn't get pasta. She actually started telling me off and she goes, well, clearly you're starving him. He's, you know, his problems are because you've got him on this strange diet. You go home and learn to bake and come back in a month and if he hasn't gained weight, you know, um, we'll take this further, which was absolutely terrifying as a new parent because you go in there hoping that someone's going to help you or give you some answers and they start pointing the finger at you like, you know, you're a bad parent and, you know, I'd really researched. So, you know, I, I really need to ask as yeah. a Sicilian from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, where, is, where is the body buried? Sorry, what? Oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I've heard this before, and it, it is terrifying that you have a problem, and then it is typical in allopathy where they will look at you and say, I cannot figure out what's wrong, therefore, it is you. I'm like, where did you get that leap in logic? Mm. You know, maybe it's you and you don't know, and maybe you should go back to your books and learn, but... The patient comes to you because they don't know, and you're supposed to figure it out. How come you're dumping it on them? Okay. <laughs> I'll never understand that. That's right. But go ahead, it's, please. It's, it's so terrifying because especially, I mean, Max was my first child, so I didn't have any other experience. And he was, oh, other things he had was like obviously very low in the percentiles for weight and height. He had low muscle tone, mm-hmm. all of those sort of things. Um, he was bright and smiley. So she said, she actually said to me, she said, um, you're giving him enough food to feed his brain, but you're starving his body. So, um, and, and so that's what she said. You're essentially, you know, I'm starving my child. Um, and I said, but he's getting so much nutrient-dense food. He gets lots of it. I spent all day preparing food for him. But, but yeah, it was that I was a bad parent, and it was a really hard thing to deal with because you're trying to ask some people who know more about children and trying to get some answers, and what you get is instead that you're doing a bad job, and that can really send you back into yourself and, and stop you looking. So um I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And 
you know, one of the things that when I lecture about neuropsychiatric disease, one of the first things I tell the doctors that I'm standing in front of is, are we the reason that people are suffering in silence? So look at yourselves. Are we the reason, because of our attitudes, that people are made to suffer in silence? And that is prejudice, bias on the, on the healthcare professional's part. And all healthcare professionals out there should take a lesson from this. You know, there's there's obvious signs of abuse. There's obvious signs of starvation. You know, I was an old. I'm, I'm an old ER nurse. I spent ten years as an ER nurse. I've seen all manner of uh, abused children, and you can tell. But you can look at a at a bright, happy child who is for his size, maybe little, okay, but is you know, his skin looks good, his eyes look good. He's obviously getting enough food. And you can't figure out what's wrong, so you're going to blame the parent. Hmm, what do you think about that? Anyway, so that's just my particular soapbox. My apologies. Let us continue. Well, so she gave us a month to sort of come back, and, and, and it was definitely heavy. It felt like there was the implication we would get referred on to, you know, child services or something if he wasn't mm-hmm. great. And whilst I definitely wanted, you know, to talk to some people higher up, it wasn't in that sort of way. But we happened, happened to be moving at the time, so we'd moved to a different area, and the nurse there seemed really nice. And so I'm like, you know, get the confidence up, go talk to her. And she was a completely different kettle of fish. She was really lovely. She said, look, your child is he's bright, he's beautiful. Like there's, you know, there's something, there was something that was always just so charming about him and so beautiful and so like almost super alert um, that people were really charmed by him. So it was, it was hard for them in a lot of ways to see past that because there's some really right things that were just so right about him. But even though he was different, it was, he was very charming. So um, she did say, all right, he's not doing the typical things that a child would be in her office. And she sort of started looking into it. So she referred us to the doctor and the doctor was really nice and understanding and did some tests. And I had another friend who was a GP and she was sending me some some forms and some questionnaires. And we sort of did that and find, finding that he was rating fairly high on, I can't remember what the scale is. It's sort of an early early scale for predicting autism. Um Mm-hmm. Like that. So we were just finding, you know, being locked in his own world, just playing with one item for, for hours on end. Um, being a really good child was another little sign because he would just, he never asked for anything. He never, he barely ever cried. He just sort of sat there and smiled and would play by himself, but play with the one item repetitively. So, um, so anyway, we eventually got referred to a pediatrician and, and that's where we, uh, out. <laughs> now you did the, um, FSH microarray, correct? Yeah. yeah. What exactly is that? Um, that's a, as far as I understand, it's just a more specific genetic test. It's um, it's you've got genetic tests that can look for some of the more more obvious um, differences in in chromosome patterning, and then there's the microarray looks at much finer details. So something like PTLS wouldn't be picked up on a regular genetic test. Um, but it, you need the microarray, which is, I think it's reasonably new testing. So now with this, they're finding more and more. I was talking to a pediatrician once who was saying that now it's up to 15% of kids with autism, they're actually finding do have these micro duplications or deletions. There's there's something else that's going on in there. It's not just autism. So um, Well, at least they're looking beyond the pure psychological, which is wonderful because it's taken us years and a lot of... Um, a lot of chasing them around with um, sharp or heavy objects for them to start paying attention because, I don't know. But uh, it's people like you that allowed that make 
healthcare providers sit up and say, okay, let me get back to my books. Let me figure out what's going on. You have to keep at this, I'm hearing. Yeah, well, the pediatrician was, was good. He um he's a very he's apparently a very brilliant fellow. Um, he's not really into talking, so he just would come. He just came in and he sat there and he just watched, <laughs> watched our child. So we're like, okay, and, and Max was playing with the crayons and he would walk around and he would just give everybody in the room. There was, it was this training hospital, so there was a whole bunch of students in there. And he just kept on giving all the students all these things. And so he watched him, watched him. He said, look, he's bright, he's engaging, um, but his features are dysmorphic. And, okay, as a new parent, that was the first time I heard that word. We exchanged glances, like, dysmorphic features. What are you talking about? <laughs> he looks he was, great to me. <laughs> he thought he was just extra cute, you know, because um, he was. He was extremely cute. His little dysmorphic features made him very cute. Um, so he, the pediatrician left the room and we're whispering to the, to the students, like, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, okay. So the pediatrician said, yeah, come back in six months, and if he's still not talking then... Um, we'll give him a, this genetic test. And we said, look, we'd really rather know sooner rather than later. And, you know, the genetic, he was like, well, I, you know, sure, okay, I, if you want to that, go for it. So they did, the, they did the test and it took a really long time to get the results back, actually. It was months and months. And it was actually um, three days after the birth of my second child that we got the call um, to go in and see the pediatrician. So not the most ideal timing by any stretch, but that's when, we, when we actually found out. What happened then? How did you feel? Um, well, I actually, I, I mean, I just had a child and I was, um, um, so I was in the um, the maternity home after that. So my husband and Max just went into the appointment and they came back. And I just remember my husband's face. He was like coming in the door and he just, he looked like, he was like ashen. He was like gray. And, and I just looked at him and I knew something was really, really wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, yeah, so he just, he handed me this this bunch of papers that the that the um I'm sorry. <laughs> take a relax. Take a breath. This is you know you're reliving some pretty nasty emotional things. I know the story's got a good ending and it's and it's in, in progress, but you know you're sharing with us your feelings. So take a breath. Take your time, okay? Because there are people out there who need to hear this story. They need to know that. They're not bad parents. They need to know that there's more investigations that can be done, okay? And they need to understand there are people like you out there and and they can say, hey, my child does not have to live like this or things that that can be done. So just take your time and just relate it. And if you have to stop, stop. Not a problem. Okay, so he walked in and he just, you know, he was ashen and he handed me these papers and he's trying to talk but he's breaking down and... I'm like, oh, my God, like, what's wrong? And immediately Rain starts jumping, like, oh, my God, my child's going to die. What, what, What's the problem? And he couldn't even speak to, like, really tell me. Um, so he gets it out and, he's, you know, it's in the chromosomes. And I can't even remember the words. I just remember getting these papers that the uh, pediatrician had printed off, which is basically a bunch of stuff just off the Internet, some old medical journal stuff, um, about this condition and you know that it's written as a medical journal so there's these very technical horrible sounding terms um like you know um mental retardation and sure. short everything from that to short stature to every everything that can go wrong with your child was was listed there um as well as these pictures of kids and they're not you know they're not the charming beautiful pictures that parents take of kids they're essentially like mug shots for these medical 
journalists. Yeah, children that <laughs> you know have got the genetic yeah, no? problems. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're not trying to show the children their most beautiful light. They're listing everything that's wrong with them. There's mugshots of these, and it's just like I'm just scanning these lists and these paragraphs of everything that's going to be wrong with my child because he's got this chromosomal thing, which therefore also means it can't be changed. And and I just, you know, I, I'm just scanning the list. And the one little good thing that I got out of it was like, I'm just like, God, is is he going to have shortened life expectancy? Is this is this, you know, is this going to you know, is he going to die from this? What is this? And, and fortunately, I didn't see that. I think I might have just fallen over if that was the case. Um, but, yeah, the list of struggles and challenges and problems and health problems he was going to have in his, his life was just, it was it was gutting. I mean, everyone says, you know, do you want a boy or a girl? Oh, I just want a healthy child. That's really what everyone mm-hmm. wants. And when you get this list from a doctor that is saying that your child is not healthy, is never going to be healthy, um, yeah, it's 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 up there. <laughs> with some of those. Oh yeah, and you know something that is the biggest problem. You know, anybody with uh, like genetic polymorphisms and stuff that we deal with, I could look at them square in the face saying, "No problem, we can fix it." Mm-hmm. Okay, we can fix the genetic expression. This is someone saying that it'll never change, but frankly, you kind of turned that around, didn't you? Um. Eventually, I mean, at first we didn't, you know, we went in and we talked to the pediatrician, we talked to geneticists, we talked to various experts. We're like, look, is there is there a clinic in Germany somewhere we can go that's doing amazing work with these kids? Like, what do you know? What's the cutting edge not yet accepted into mainstream science? Tell us, you know. And they're like, oh, look, no, there's nothing. Just go home, treat him like a regular boy. Like, And it's just like, really, if he had diabetes, if he had any other sort of condition, there would be things we can do. Why is it like now with... with this condition, there's nothing we can do and we should just go home and treat him like a real regular boy. I mean, yes, he's a regular boy, but he's also got special challenges. He has some special needs mm-hmm. that he needs answered. What are they? What can we do to help them? And apart from um, get as much speech therapy as you can get, we um, we, didn't, we didn't get much further with the conventional system, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, so you're, if I don't miss my guess, you listen to your mother's intuition which uh, all of my patients realize that I'm probably one of the few doctors in the world actually listen to mommy intuition because, frankly, that tells me <laughs> where the problems are. No one knows your child better than you. And what did you what did you come up with uh, intuitively about treating Max? Um, well, I guess I, d- I kept talking to people, um, and that was essentially how we got the diagnosis after the, the first woman who scared us off, is just keep asking, keep asking the questions you get antsy what. So I put word out there and um, to friends who are in the health field, to even you know a GP friend of ours who happens to be more on the alternative side of things. I'm just let people know, ask them questions, kept asking, just kept trying to network, trying to see what's out there. Did a lot of internet searches. Um, I stopped reading anything that had to do exactly with his condition because it was all very much in negative terms um, in the medical journals and stuff, and I couldn't deal with that at the time. It's just you know, it's too hard. I would start reading it and I would just break down in tears. It was useless. So I really had to, just for my own um, for my own mental state, was to look for the positive stuff. All right, how are people helping kids with developmental delays? You know, what what are other, other conditions doing? And it wasn't until I really thought, well, okay, another genetic condition that we all know about is trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. And mm-hmm. there's lots of parents with that. There's got to be some alternative thinking in there. And when I, when I cooked up with the 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 Down syndrome parents, um, and we'll call it trisomy 21 because I think how most of them prefer to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that that just changed my world. That really, just seeing where they're going and what they're doing and how they're dealing with this, just it opened up a whole new world of possibilities for me. 
And exactly what happened? What was the big change? Um, I know, I know, it was cognitive and, and intuitive, and you know, but what did you physically do? Start doing different? Because you're right, trisomy twenty one, trisomy nineteen, a whole mess of other ones. You know, they have some basic things that you can do that'd be helpful. So, I'd like to hear about that. Okay. Um. I guess I am jumping ahead of myself. I guess the first thing we did was um, a health friend put us onto this health supplement that was helping kids with apraxia, who you know, kids with mm-hmm. difficulty talking. And it it was all natural. It was a good quality health product. Um, it was actually a um, multi level marketing product targeted at people mm-hmm. with weight loss. So you have to you have to sort of you know think beyond these things sometimes as a parent. But these these parents were using it um, not as a weight loss supplement. It actually helped these kids gain weight and. Um, was helping them talk, and we tried that, and within three days, we had major developmental changes. Like he started, there was much more eye contact, there was much more verbalizing, he was alert, he was attentive, um, he was able to suddenly learn, like whereas he just couldn't retain knowledge before. You teach him something and bang, he'd have it. And we're like, I just remember the the joy of that moment. We were like, oh, Mm -hmm. this is is a miracle. Like it really was a miracle. I mean, it was phenomenal just to see – just this simple nutritional change because it was a it was just this health shake essentially with amazing very high quality nutrition in it and he just I mean he had a great diet I, that's one of my interests he had a fantastic diet um, but this extra shake of extra nutritional stuff was just it was phenomenal the change in him. We we really shouldn't mention the name of products on on a, a blog like this but could you uh, share with us what was in it what was in the product. Um, it was there was whey, whey pro, whey, yeah, um, whey protein. Whey protein. Um, there was a bunch of uh, vitamins and minerals. There was some herbs. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm forgetting. Um, That's okay. Um, and, and no one really understands why it worked so well. Parents would just sort of take it apart and sort of try to put it back together again, and um, and try to figure out what it was about that and it was either maybe it's the herbs or maybe it's the fact that it's nearly got all the amino acids in certain combinations or I, no one really knew but mm-hmm. in any case yeah it was whey protein with some vitamins and minerals and some wonderful herbs that were good for cognition and learning and neurotransmitter balance and somehow it just worked for a really great range of kids there were there's some kids it didn't work for but a lot of kids that really it showed great great results with yeah, no, nothing ever works for everybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody who claims a panacea is lying or stupid, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's nice to see the preponderance of the evidence say, hey, this is helping this type of child because it's supplying what they need to create their excitatory neurotransmitters, which are the things that are going to help them have cognition, things like phenylethylamine, norepinephrine, and the like. You know, and... um you know, uh, probably some detoxification. And then, of course, you have a good uh, protein source. And uh, you guys in New Zealand have some of the best whey protein in creation. Um, I remember having a conversation with you a couple of years ago, and you were giving the boy raw milk, and I was I was aghast. <laughs> you know, because I'm sitting here saying raw milk. I mean, you know where those udders have been. And you were like, I know the cow. I said, you know the cow? Yes, I know the cow. Where's the cow? next door. I'm like I'm thinking like I'm thinking she's in Philadelphia. She's in New Zealand. She most probably knows the cow, you know, and how the cow was cared for and fed and so forth. So um so that's that's wonderful. That is absolutely wonderful. Go ahead, please. 
Um, I don't know. What were we up to? What, what? <laughs> we're talking about the supplementation that improved his cognition, improved his alertness, his ability to learn. In other words, put him back on track to growth and and uh, being the boy that we all sh- that you'd expect. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I can't remember all the details after that. That was definitely the first thing we tried, and one of the first really big things we tried. And like I said, it was a bit of a jump. You're like, okay, this is a weight loss shake mm-hmm. from multi-level marketing company. My goodness, but you talk to other parents, you know, and so you get past the okay, there's no studies on this formally showing that it's helped mm-hmm. with this. Um, but lots of other parents are talking about it. It's it's not going to hurt, so let's try it. So we did, and within three days, like I said, big changes. Um, with a lot of these things, you see big changes at first, and then you don't. It's not necessarily that you'll see big changes happening every day after that. But what it mm. seems to happen is that it changes the trajectory. Like, um, you know, my mm. son might have been heading off somewhere a bit lower on the scale, and then this this alters the trajectory, and suddenly it alters the, the direction he's going, and he's going upwards a bit more. And then what we found that everything we did after that would alter the trajectory, maybe slightly some things, maybe a lot for other things, um, but it was all heading him in the right direction. And, Wonderful. Uh, so there's a lot of little things in there, but the next big step was when um, I came in contact with the Trisomy 21 groups, and um, these these women and these kids, these these mothers and their kids are incredible, and I started to see that there's, there's therapies they were all doing, um, there was nut- nutritional supplementation, um, dietary interventions, all of this sort of stuff that they were doing for these children, and these children were thriving. Like I'm, I mean thriving to the point where a child with trisomy 21 was starting with, with start kindergarten and would be ahead of their typical peers cognitively with reading ability, with everything. And you just, this is not what you've been raised well, to believe I'm, about. I'm, so, I'm sorry, that, that goes right in the face of what we would expect from that. So that that's just amazing. Yeah, yeah you just... Um, so things like that, you're just like, oh, wow, um, really, this is possible. And it's like, you know, the five-minute mile. When you suddenly realize something's possible, it opens up this world right. of possibilities. And you're like, oh, my goodness, I, I never thought that the sky was the limit. But in this, in these groups and meeting these other parents, you know, all online pretty much. But um, it was just amazing. It just it lifted, it lifted, it lifted a huge cloud. I, was, I, I just remember I'd be like, you know, talking to my husband, I'm like, come over here, look at this, check out this child, you know, because they'd be proud of their children, they're sharing videos, and you're like, oh my goodness, this is possible, and if this is possible for Trisomy 21, you know, it's got to be possible for PTLS, and um, so yeah, it was a very, very exciting time. And uh, it is an exciting time, and believe me, I'm I'm suitably impressed, I'm beyond impressed. Uh, If you could kind of give our listeners a list of what they should be looking at, uh, given almost any kind of either, well, any kind of childhood problem, because I have a suspicion that it's similar, you know, the treatment. Um, we call it foundational work here, but um, but please tell us what you did and what order should they be looking at. And, you know, if a mother came to you and said, I need help, what would you, what would you tell her? Okay. Um, first thing is, just follow your intuition because as you start to learn about the possibilities out there, it can also get really overwhelming. So you can go, you can actually get brain meltdown very easily and go, oh my goodness, there's all these things I should be doing and I don't know where to start. So just just go with where you're at and what's your interest. And for me, it was, you know, diet and nutrition. So that was the first things we focused on, Max, was diet and nutrition. And, and that is a really 
big important um, first step for any child, um, regardless of what their diagnosis is. Um, these children need superior nutrition. They need, you know, wonderful foods like whey protein powder and, you know, superfoods, things like that that's really going to feed them. Um, with Trisomy 21, they've, you should actually interview someone, some of these mothers. I could give you some names. They're amazing. But, um, Please, ha have them contact me because my um, entire intention yeah. is, to spread, is to spread what works and what, what's been shown to be truth. I'm not looking to have, you know, a guru on here saying, oh, I wrote a book and I developed this and that's it. It's going to work for everybody. I want these people to understand. I want people out there to understand what really works, what considerations, what pain you went through, and what ended up happening that you saw, generally speaking. That, that's That's worth its weight in platinum. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting you and, and driving you off track. That's okay. <laughs> well, with me 21, they know a lot more about the genes and even more specific, or specific uh, nutritional requirements based on these different genes. So it, it's really amazing. So especially with, with Down syndrome, there's no need to, to, to fear anymore having a child with Down syndrome. And I, I hate to say it like that because the parents with these children love and pride them. But I know with people who haven't had a child with down syndrome they're afraid of that and i just want to say there's no need to be afraid anymore um the amount of research on that particular syndrome in particular is just is incredible and the things these people are doing is, is phenomenal so so okay so first of all diet and nutrition um if you can find out the specific needs that your child has that's even better if you can't just superfoods high quality nutrition nutrient dense foods um get that covered um the biomedical stuff um you know, supplements, nutrition, it's, it's really helpful to have someone work with you on that. So um, so there's, there's a range of wonderful doctors out there, including yourself, Dr. Jess, who can help Thank people you. Um, Thank with, you. with things like that. And that's, that, that's the, that to me is the basics. It's the food and nutrition. You've just you've, the, the child needs really good nutrition. Gut healing is really important. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the times these children aren't necessarily absorbing their nutrition properly. So just gut healing, just getting all the foundations right like you would for anyone with, with any sort of health challenge, just to make sure everything in their system can work as, as smoothly as possible. Um, and then once you've got that covered, there's a whole range of therapies. And um, neurodevelopmental therapy is 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 a big one in um, the Trisomy 21 world. And, and I certainly jumped on that train very quickly upon seeing some videos of kids and what they were doing and I was just like this is amazing let's call these people right now um, so um, there's several different organizations that do it you can start by reading a book by um, did you want names of things or do you want me just to leave it sure please stuff? no no that's okay um, that's right. it's a book um, by Glenn Doman and don't be scared of the title it's a scary title it's like what to do about your brain injured child I think is the title okay. Um, so don't be scared of the title. But it's, it's an amazing book and it's basically talking about these kids that were written off forever and how they can actually grow and thrive and overcome their challenges. And it, it's a very empowering book. And it, it sort of talks about the history of the neurodevelopmental movement and how that theory came about, that this therapy came about. And from there, there's, there's several different branches out from that. And you can, you can pick the one that suits you best and, and, um, and go with that. So there's that. Um, there's the Anat Faneuil method, which is completely different to neurodevelopmental therapy. Um, um, but once again, it, it's using these movements and touch, and I, I, I'm not going to do it very good, <laughs> very good justice at all. But it basically it talks to the brain. You're using the body to talk to the brain. So um, mm. 
another amazing method. You can just Google Annette Banyul and just watch these videos of what she's doing with these children um, and just, just blowing these labels and diagnoses out of the water. Um, Gemini is another great one. We've just discovered Gemini, and that's just basically it's TV. It's um, They've taken all of these videos of, of speech and teaching speech and teaching things because a lot of children with um, special challenges, uh, like my son, for instance, he won't look at you um, in the eye. He won't watch people's mouths. He won't look at that. He's got some sort of visual thing going on where he his peripheral vision is a lot stronger than his central vision. So he... Um, mm-hmm which you'll see with some autistic children too. They seem to be looking at you out of the corner of their eye or avoiding the, the gaze, and, and my son certainly has that. So they, it's hard for them to learn because they can't see, you know, straight on. And um, so actually using TV as a teaching tool, and that's part of our neurodevelopmental therapy as well, they use TV because it's such a, a strong central vision stimulant that you can't help but look at a TV. If there's a TV on in the room, you have to look at it. So they put sure, that on sure. and put it on in a small screen so suddenly these children can see things that they couldn't see before. So Gemini is just proving amazingly effective with children with Down syndrome, with children with, you know, all sorts of conditions. It's just the kids watch these videos and they love them and they start speaking and it's just, it's, it's amazing. I just, you know, I'm part of a little secret group there and just all these parents just very, very few that report, don't report just absolute wonderful rave reviews of it. Um so, tell us about lens neurotherapy. Mm, so, lens neurotherapy that was from a um, a GP friend of ours. She's just gotten and got her trained in that, and she she told us to come up and try that out. And that's amazing too. I mean, I'm I was there, and it's just some things defy your common your common understanding. She said, well, basically, we're giving homeopathic doses of electricity to certain parts of the brain to sort of wake that part up, and you're like. Right, okay, whatever you say, <laughs> as long as you're sure it's not going to hurt him, we'll give it a go. And um, and the beautiful thing there was that I got to get treatments as well because a lot of these things, you know, you can't quite afford to treat yourself as well. But this doctor gave me some treatments. And it was so wonderful to be able to actually experience it for myself because watching my child, I can pick up, I'm very in tune now, I can pick up the very subtle changes in, in his trajectory, so to speak. Um mm-hmm. But sometimes these things are quite subtle and you're like, is this really helping? Is this doing stuff? But when she did the lens on me and it was it was just amazing. Like I felt like a different person after like I think it was four treatments. Like it really, really changed things for me. So I'm like, yeah, and I could see changes in my child as well. It was a little bit more subtle for him um, and also him not being able to talk as well to describe his his um, how he feels. Um but I could I could see the changes and I could really feel the changes in me. So I was like, wow, this is amazing. So we've definitely got that on our list to go back and do some more of that. Um, mentability is another one that's wonderful. They've got studies on that showing how effective that is for autism. Um, they market it more towards autism, but really it helps all kids, um, all kids with developmental challenges. It's a it's a wonderful sort of a very beautiful program using lots of sensory. Um, like using smells and touches and all of this to awaken parts mm-hmm. of the brain and to heal parts of the brain. Um, so there's other types of neurotherapy. There's reflex integration. There's all these different learning programs for older kids. Um, there's just so much stuff. And there's there's a lot of different things, like neurodevelopmental therapy, the first one I talked about. That, that can be mm-hmm. quite intense. That takes a lot of time. 
Um, it takes a lot of organization. That doesn't suit everybody. So maybe something like mendability would suit them a lot more, which basically requires 15 minutes sort of twice a day. You just do this little session with your child of these beautiful activities and then you go on with your day. Um, so you have, a look at, have a look at all of them or if you start with one and it's not working for you, it's too hard or it's just not your thing, you know, try a different method. Um, and that Banyol method is very different to neurodevelopmental. Um, mm -hmm. If you're into the more fluid, kind of flowy sort of, <laughs> you know, maybe that would work. But people who are really organized and really onto it, neurodevelopmental therapy works brilliantly for them. It's fantastic. So you just really got to find what, what works for you, what works for your lifestyle, what works for your, your parenting style and your child, what makes you happy. There's so many things out there. You don't need to actually stick to one therapy thinking that's all there is out there and making yourself miserable. There's so much to try. I'm really, really, really glad you said all those things in the manner in which you said it. Because we, over here we have this thing called brain balance, and it kind of depends on who's running it. Uh, sometimes it sometimes it works very well, but the kids regress after a while because they're not getting at root causes and not treating. Because you're suggesting that we you do foundational work, fix the gut, feed them correctly, and do neural integration. The question that I would ask, and, and you answered it mostly, but, you know, I often talk, often, daily, I talk to people who've been through, well, Jamie would be their 10th doctor, 15th, and uh, my record is their 75th do doctor. Okay. I, the question I would ask you, given given your experience, at first, I realized that your intuition plays a great part, and it should. And then the other um the other part of the decision-making is the risk-benefit factor. If there's no risk and a probability of benefit, which means over 50%, it's, uh, as you say, it's worth giving it a go, okay? Uh, at what, and I realize this may be different for each therapy, but at what point do you say this is not working? Because let's face it, there are people out there who just have to keep on, keep on coming because some of the stuff can be on the pricey side, okay? And this is how they make their living. Okay, and I hate to be cynical, but you have experience. If you were going to say to a mother all the things you just said, but how would you tell them, hey, this is not really working. Give it a trial of 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, you know, and if there's no, if there's only 10% improvement, well, that's nothing. You should be seeing 50% improvement or more. Now, I'm just making up numbers, mm -hmm. of course. So your experience is invaluable here. How would you answer that question? Oh, I don't know. Um I mean, a lot of things for us, we've seen quick results. We've seen that he's responding to it. We were like, okay, you might not get, you know, speech overnight, but you can mm -hmm. see that it's affecting his cognition. He's brighter. He's feeling better. Um, so really, I just, a lot of it, I, I, I can't describe, but I just put it down to intuition. Like if you've got Fine. a good feel for your child, you do, you know your child better than anyone else. And you can see, you're like, oh, wow, he's feeling better. He's happier. He's more receptive. He's learning. He's more interested in the world around him. You know, you just get this feeling that you're on the right track. And, you know, I've got the, I've got the feeling before, too, that I'm on the wrong track, but I've kept sort of beating my head against the bush going, no, I know intellectually this should help, and I keep got to keep working at it, and I should keep trying. And it's just not the right thing for us. So it's really part of the whole this whole growth that's, process. That's kind of what I was I was trying to get you to say All because right. <laughs> it is and and the reason is because the fact is that and you this is tying together what you said at the beginning it's tough to know who to trust 
it's tough to know what's helping your child, and the only person who can make that assessment is yourself. The other point, I, I, spend, I spend my life as a, as a, I have degrees in forensic um, medicine and forensic examination and so forth. I, I spend my life listening to patterns. And one of the things you said that was fairly ubiquitous was, in the things that worked, you got this in, in kind of an immense improvement or a significant improvement at first, and then that improvement plateaued off, but you continued as long as the trajectory was in a positive direction, okay? Because plateauing can mean you got so much improvement and then it just stopped there, mm -hmm. which means it did what it did, or you got, you know, you you know, gave the body what it needed, but it still needs it, and you're building up slowly. Okay, and only a mom can sit there and go, okay, this is significant. Okay, so you're telling people, if I'm not missing my guess, okay, that a therapy that would be considered efficacious would show some improvement or significant improvement after a reasonable period of time, and then you just start seeing <clears throat> a plateau, which is very common, okay, but a positive the child's uh, condition heading in a positive direction, okay? By whatever criteria you use, which should be an intuitive criteria, not an intellectual one. Am I reading you right? Uh, yeah. Um, and <laughs> I, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> go ahead and correct me. I know you're the yeah. teacher, but go ahead. <laughs> well, sometimes your intuition is putting together a lot more pieces than what you can actually verbalize as a parent. But you you, you, you know, you know. Um, and sometimes you, you have to beat your head against the wall for a while before you're like, oh, okay, now we're going in this direction now. But it's all—it's a lot of fine tuning. Like for us, um, the nutritional supplements, the supplement—you know—dealing with that sort of the gut healing, that enabled um, that enabled Max to suddenly be able to learn. Once he could learn and re retain skills, he just didn't have a short-term memory. So, like I said, you'd teach clapping or you'd teach him to pull a face, and he couldn't retain that information. So, therefore, he could never build these high-level skills. Um, once we dealt with that, suddenly he was able to learn and he'd learn quickly. You'd show him something, he'd learn it, he'd be able to build on the skill for the next level. So that took care of that. Um, he also had a lot of um, autistic tendencies, um, some very strong autistic behaviours at the time and neurodevelopmental therapy, which we jumped into then, was just invaluable with helping us to get past that. That was a really uh, difficult time because he would just sort of get stuck in the same mental pattern and want to just do the same thing repetitively, which meant he wasn't out there learning. He's not engaging. Children at that mm -hmm. age are supposed to be just picking up everything from their environment. And what he was doing was essentially was shutting down and trying to focus on the one thing. So neurodevelopmental really helped him to open up, branch out, see other things that helped us as parents. Um, there's, there was the the, the uh, organization we went with, I'm not sure if you're allowed to mention names or not, but they provide a lot of parent support, um, and so there's always this encouragement. You know, there's always someone. I'll be asking you your recommendations at the end. Trust me. Oh, okay. So feel free, feel free to mention them. Oh, okay. Well, we went with the NACD, the National Academy for Childhood Development, and that's because there's there's different organisations. The Institute, which is the original one, you can actually go and you do a several week training course, and they they teach you how to do it, and you come home. But we live really remotely, and I just wasn't up for going to a, a far away course. So this. The NACD, they actually teach you online. You get these evaluations. You talk to your evaluator. She watches videos of your child. Um, and then they give me a training, essentially, online with lots of videos teaching me how to do everything. But there's also this online coach that I've got five days a week. So if I don't know how to how to help my child do an activity or we're having trouble with anything, there's someone I can call. I can vent. You know, she tells me to take breaks mm -hmm. sometimes. 
I mean, it's just it's just fantastic, and I really personally need that as a parent because I'm not a real organised, um, gung ho kind of parent. I need someone <laughs> to hold my hand and encourage <laughs> me along, and so it was perfect like that. So, so you know, they helped tremendously with that and to get him learning and to increase his knowledge. I mean, I've I've had teachers now, um, early childhood teachers. They come into our childhood centre and they're like, you know, he's actually ahead of where some kids are when they go to school. You know. In some ways, you know, in other, in his, so where his interests are, he is, he's actually ahead. And, um, so this, this sort of stuff works. And I've seen people with typical kids. Oh, sorry. I'm starting to jump all over the place. Anyway, you asked a question. Okay. I'm to stick to the question. Um, <clears throat> no, they take care okay. of these different areas. And now I'm just feeling like I need to focus a little bit more on reflex integration. There's just, I, I think that's kind of a, the next step for him and, you know, um, some things. I think there's some things in the Anapfanyal method that'll help him. There's just all of these different wonderful modalities, and I'm just getting a feel at different times for what he needs at that particular time and what's going to benefit him most according to his challenge. Um, having said that, all of these methods are wonderful. You can stick to one method and go with that, and and the parents who do that also get amazing results because a lot of these methods are very all-encompassing, and they've just got different ways of reaching the same goal. Um, so if you find a method that works for you, you don't need to dabble in amongst ten different methods. You can just go with that and stick with that, and and you'll get you, you'll you'll get to where you're going. I want to ask <clears throat> because I know parents who run themselves into the ground. Uh, what do you do to take care of yourself? Um, yeah, I I, I did that too. <laughs> You sort of get the um, no doubt. Like, you're gonna you get the I'm gonna be a superhero and save my child. So you sort of like leap off the balcony and then you go splat, and it's like oh that's that's not much of a superhero. I was gonna go and single-handedly save my child in the world, and no. Um, so you know this is all part of the learning. And um, so what I actually did was I just I just essentially took a couple of months off and just focused on my own health. So I had to do some cleanses and some dietary things, and instead of worrying about what what the children were eating every second. I'm just like, okay, they can have some rice crackers mm-hmm. and I'm going to worry about my health and my nutrition. And I actually had to um, to, to really stop and really put some effort back into myself because um, I had some health problems before I had kids and once I had kids and then the added stress, I just completely crashed in, in the ground at some point. And I think a lot of parents do. So I just had to stop and... Um, and realize this is one of the doctors out there. I'm forgetting her name right at this minute. Um, she says this is a marathon, not a sprint. And just exactly. take that attitude and just, okay, we're just taking a little break. We're going to recap. And so I had to do that. And now I have my, my energy is so much better. My health is so much better. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm actually able to do the things I, I, I want to do rather than kind of trying and failing dismally, which I was before. <laughs> You're, everything has to be holistic. Holistic does, is not woo-woo. Yeah. It is not swinging dead chickens over people people's heads using crystals or whatever. Holistic means you take care of the whole. And the whole is not only your child and yourself, it's your family. Mm-hmm. It's the different dynamics within your family, you and your husband, you and your children, your husband and your children, okay, mm-hmm. attending and allowing that to flow in a reasonable manner so that, you know, you live. Okay, so many people break up and you know, there's so much uh, badness that can occur with a diagnosis like this. Mm-hmm. But she seemed to have um, really put everything together. I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited to talk with you because, um, you know, this is where people need to understand. They need to know it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
that they need to take breaks. They need to get nutrition. They need to spend a little time with their spouse. They need to spend a little time alone with their kids. The spouse needs to spend a little time alone with the kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, they need a little bit of break here and there. Everybody's nutrition needs to be uh, supported, okay? And nobody needs to be hammered away at it. It all comes in time, okay? And um, a lot of people can learn a lot of stuff from you, an awful lot of stuff. Well, and it might sound like I'm in this really positive place right now, but I just want to speak to the other parents and say, yeah, it has been a journey getting here. We've definitely, yes, had to work, you know, had to look at my own health and say, well, if I keep going in this direction, I'm not going to last five years. Get, You know, look after myself first. Then, you know, we have to look after our marriage as well. And then mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of um, enthusiasm or um, energy that comes from when you first get that diagnosis of all these things that you're going to do and you focus solely on that child. But after time, it really does become, you do get a more holistic picture and you're like, wow, we're all a family together. This is all a journey that we're all on together. And you you do, that that sort of perspective comes through and that's much more healthy and a much more easy way to be. So, um, and, the, and the children don't feel the stress of the parents, which adds, it, they're very silent about it because they don't understand it, mm-hmm. but it affects them. Okay, yeah. so... Doing these things is not selfishness or selflessness. You're actually helping your child by attending to all aspects um, that we just spoke of. You know? uh, I know Max is your angel. Um, I'm, uh, I'm very, very, very impressed. Uh, we're getting close to an hour here. So uh, what what organizations nationally or internationally would you suggest that people look into or how should they start thinking? There's people out there that are going to be listening to you and saying, wow, there's hope. And you said it before, but I don't know where to start. Okay? And, wow, I have all these people who are out to help me. You can shorten the uh, the distance between two points by kind of giving them a um, an idea of where to go, where to start. Um, well, the very first thing is just to believe there are no limitations, and, um, and which is the the first thing you'll come to with a child with a, a chromosome is there's no hope, there's nothing you can do. Just realize that's not true. As soon as you realize that's not true and that there's so many things you can do to help your child, just as if your, ha- your child had any other sort of struggle in life, the whole world opens up. Um, so that's the first thing. Once you believe it's possible, you'll find the answers. Um, Mm-hmm. I can provide a, a, a list of sites and things that you can put on your website after this. Um, but basically, I, I there's appre- more than that. I would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Sorry about the noise in the background there. Um, it's okay. But there's there's so much more than that. I mean, that's just a small proportion of what's what's out there. That just happens to be what I found. But there's there's much more out there. There's things I don't know about that I'm still discovering every day. So just just start somewhere. Um, I have a little affirmation that I just believe that everything I need and that my child needs, my children need, will come to me that day. And so that I just find that that sort of thing just keeps on jumping out at me. And um, and that's, that's the train of thought that I'll follow. I'll go, oh, it keeps on popping up. I really should look into that. And so um, I go that way. Um, read the stuff that, that feels good. Like I had to stop reading, like I said, the, the medical stuff initially. I can read it now and, and I'm empowered by it because I, I, I know I'm getting knowledge that I'm putting to use. But... Um, but in the past it, it didn't work for me I had to read the empowering things there's a wonderful book out there called The Super Power Baby Project and and they talk about um, which is actually one thing I really wanted to mention is just the language um, 
when you get a diagnosis of a child with a chromosomal condition, um, of what it's, it's, they all talk about what's wrong with your child, what's wrong, what's wrong. And mm-hmm. like, let's not look at that. Let's look at the superpowers these kids have. And these kids really do have superpowers. Um, Max certainly does. There's things he can do that are far and beyond what a child his age could do. And right from the beginning, you know, he had this amazing smile, could melt icebergs. Um, I remember taking him down the street and this big, burly, tough guy was like really grouchy and looking really unhappy at the world. And Max just stopped and smiled at him. And this guy just stopped and he just started to beam and he calls his partner over. He's like, look, look at this child. He's like smiling. And they were having this joyful moment. And this man, this big, tough, unhappy man, just completely melted on the spot. Um, so, so, so let's look at what's right with these children. These children do have superpowers. Um, you know, they open your heart, they open your eyes, they open your life. Um, the things I've learnt for Max uh, have helped my health. I finally managed to get on top of my health challenges through learning about him and, and studying his. Without him, I would have never, you know, gone that path or found out. The things we've learnt in searching for him have helped all of us. It's helped my other son. It's helped my husband. Um, um you know, he's brought so much light and power and love and everything into our life. So it's like, yeah, I really, I love this. So it's, you know, get that. I <laughs> absolutely adore your concept, which I've said it in a different way, but I love this. Let's ditch the old language of limitations. It is, in fact, the language we use because that's the way that reflects what we believe. Yeah. Okay, if you believe that things will head in the right parent, that you are the right parent for the child, that you are enough, that you can do this, that all the right resources and people and ideas that you and your child need will be directed towards you. You don't need to know to know everything all at once and what your child needs would be brought to you. Okay, and that's a little bit of faith and it doesn't matter how you define faith. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of taking away that word the stigma the oh this is what's going to happen to my child and you use the beautiful word superpowers you know because that's a real boy thing because every boy wants to be a superhero mm-hmm. and they all are <laughs> they all are i love it i love it i love it and you should ignore quack watch you should ignore the naysayers you should ignore the people that look at you and say you're a bad mother when you know perfectly well you're not okay and you know, uh, like I say here in the United States, when people say, well, I can't find another doctor. It's like, look, you can't swing a dead cat and not hit a doctor around here. Okay, so whatever doctor you're seeing, <laughs> they're not the only one. They're not the alpha and the omega. There's somebody else out there that's going to help you. Yeah. You know, and um, what takes the sadness away? I know that you um, challenged this was a challenge. Okay. What takes the sadness away? The, the sadness went away for me was was when I when I started fighting for my child when I realized that there was things I could do and that things he needed and that I could provide um, that's when it all changed instead of there being this diagnosis this label that that dictated that he would you know ne- never be able to do X Y and Z suddenly he could do it and he just needed you know my help to do that um, just like if my child if, if a child has any sort of challenge which is also why I hate the term special needs needs means you know, it's someone who's needy. It, there's there's this right. insinuation that it's kind of pathetic, it's sad, it's 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 it's, it's a very low kind of language. So, but right. special challenges. It's like okay, this child has some challenges. Challenges are there to be overcome. Um, 
be it a health challenge or a chromosomal thing or whatever it is, these are just challenges and this can be overcome. You know, a person needs, be it cancer or diabetes or whatever it could be, you need specific things to help you over that. You need specific dietary supplements, therapies, um, and to help you overcome those challenges, you need support. And that's, that's what my child's got. He's got special challenges right now. Um, I, I do see it as a temporary condition. He's overcoming them every day. He's becoming stronger and, and, and more powerful and empowering all of us, which is the most incredible thing mm-hmm. too. Um, so I can't really question now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're answering the question. You, I asked, how can you take away the sadness? Because oh. overwhelmingly, when one gets a diagnosis like this, there's that feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, sadness. You can't avoid the fact that, oh my God, this is the way my child's going to be for forever. You've overcome that. But there are multiple thousands of parents out there that are searching for just the thought pattern. Not not the magic bullet, although everybody likes a magic bullet. Okay, not, you know, to be told this is the way, the only way, but to be told that, hey, all you have to do is think this way and what you need for your child will be there and use your intuition. Okay, gather information, but use your intuition because no one knows what's best for your child than you. And using intuition, sometimes you've got to put your left brain off on the side, okay? And that's a learned activity. That's tough, okay? It really is, but you've accomplished it, which makes you one of the most impressive people that I know. You just and I want to, in some of the Facebook groups I'm in, Dr. Jess, you'll, there's please. a million mothers out there doing this, and they're amazing, and I get so much inspiration from them all the time. So that would be something. Join some of these alternative groups where these, these very empowered parents are, and and that does. It starts to rub off on you and it starts to infuse your spirit and it lifts you up. And that's the thing. Hang around people who uplift you, who make you excited. Don't go back to that doctor or whoever it is all the time that says, oh, your child's never going to walk. I'm sorry. No, he's going to have difficulties. Don't don't listen to them. Go talk to your parents who are like, your kid can do anything. Because once you believe, you'll find the answers. And, and that, that's as, as simple as as I think. It's as saying. simple as that and it's as complex as that yeah. and it's as profound as that. Okay, And if we look back in the times that we've had our own fears and we've prayed or we've done, we've meditated, whatever, however we connect the spirit, you know, it was presented to us. All we had to do was look. Okay, too many, too many sayings that, you know, we can um, we can evoke here. But I do want to say that I thank you for spending your time with me. I thank you for sharing your experiences with your uh, little angel. Okay, I have a picture up on the screen here of both of your children uh, at the shore of um, what looks like a, an ocean, okay? And they, they're in total boy mode. Like, they're looking they're looking at the ocean, and they're like, whatever's coming, we're going to get it, you know? <laughs> okay, because that's just the way that it is, you know? We're boys, and that's the way it runs, you know? I like it. I like it a lot. And uh, I would like you to give me a list of whatever you would like to import to everyone else uh, we're switching our website around pretty soon, and there's going to be a page where, you know, all of our speakers, uh, whatever they recommend or, you know, whatever websites they want people to look at, I'm going to put it on a like a blog page that people can just access as uh, they feel is necessary, okay, because uh, we don't want to push anybody in certain directions, but we do want to empower them. And the best way to take away fear is with knowledge and empowerment, which is knowledge. So 
That gives rise to what Madame Curie always said, nothing in life should be feared but merely understood. I think you've taken that into um, into the next galaxy. <laughs> you know? So anyway, thank you very much, Melissa, for being with us today. Yeah. And uh, I'm very impressed. Um, is there any parting words that you'd like to give our listeners? Um, I guess just one thing I, I, I didn't say earlier um, with the... It's in your chromosomes. You can't change it. I mean, having a little bit, you know, a deletion or a duplication in your chromosomes. It just, it's, it's just like, you know, it's a variation on the theme. It's, 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 it's something different but beautiful about your child. Um, it, it may throw a little bit of a spanner in the works, you know, biochemically and developmental wise. But you can, you can deal with that. Like, like when you deal with the supplements and the nutrition, you know, that helps to balance out their body biochemistry. Um, mm -hmm. So you can, you can deal with that. The, the, the therapies that you do, they'll fill in the gaps because um, children with special challenges of, uh, usually won't follow all the development steps as a typical child will. Um, so you can actually do that manually. You, you get the right therapies and you fill in those gaps um, and you help the child to take the steps that they would ordinarily. And amazingly, once you deal with those two things, you deal with the biochemistry and you deal with the um, the developmental, um, the development side of things. Um, these children, they can achieve anything. They really, really mm -hmm. can. Um, I see Absolutely. evidence of that every day, and I'm seeing it in my child. And it's it's just it's, it can be a wonderful, empowering journey that can transform you, transform your your family. And if if you're just there to try and find what the good of this is in this journey, um, you know, it will it will transform you, and this child will transform you, and your life will be you know, take you to a really beautiful place. There's there's so much beauty in this journey. It's, 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 it really is. It is beautiful. It's wonderful how you're saying this. I'm going to be um, putting this on Monday night. I will give you copies of everything. You can take this, utilize it however you would like with your own groups, okay? There's nothing that's copyrighted to me. Uh, your message is more important than anything else. So... Uh, please feel free to take this, make it a um, YouTube video, you know, and do whatever you would like with the information. Add, subtract, multiply, divide. Use this as a base to empower other people, and you have my complete permission to do so. Okay? So anyway, everybody, uh, I want to thank Melissa for being here, and I will see you all next week at the same time, same place, same channel. Sounds like Batman. Oh, well. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Good night. Hi, Dr. Jess again. I hope you really liked that interview. Tell me that isn't one amazing individual. I've got to tell you something. I, I listened to this a couple of times, and I'm more fascinated every time I listen to it. Um, for those out there who have children or know of people with children who have been told and they've accepted that whatever disabilities or difficulties that their children have are just simply going to be permanent and there's nothing to be done about it, you might want to send them to this podcast, let them listen to Melissa, and send them to our website and uh, go to the radio show link. And there's a whole list of websites and contacts, um, international ones, that Melissa was kind enough to give us. I've also spoken with her, and I think as um, we evolve in this area, um, 
we're going to be adding maybe every month or every other month a show about children like this and success stories. I think it's a very important um, that's one area that we've not touched on. And um, I don't know, there's something very beautiful about hearing stories of children um, having lives when uh, there's so many who are really having difficulties. Okay. Anyway, I thank you for your attention. I'm glad that you were here. I will see you all again next week. Uh, you guys have a great week. Don't forget we love you. And uh, visit the website. Uh, tell your healthcare practitioners about the seminar. And uh, keep an eye on that list of recommended practitioners. Uh, if you do, uh, in fact, see any one of them, uh, please feel free to email me personally and tell me of your experience. Um, and, yeah, you know, I'm, we're going to really try and get you guys a list of people who are very well trained and who are vetted and tested and, you know, as somebody I would send my own family to. That's my criteria. So, again, thank you so much, and I will see you all again next week. You know, guys, I absolutely adore doing these shows. And um, the reason I adore it is because I get to meet so many fascinating people who are making a difference in people's lives. Uh, they are the unsung heroes of the world. And um, I feel it's part of my job to start singing their praises, especially when it concerns children. Just imagine, we thought that things like Down syndrome and such were just, oh well, nothing you can do about it. But now, we can. All because of the efforts of mothers like Alyssa, Melissa, my apologies, and um, people like her. So, get onto that list. Start looking around. If you have friends that are in despair, okay, let them know about it, okay? I charge you to do it because I know you're with me. And I know you feel the same way that I do. So, anyway, have a good week. You guys have, just love you all. Take care.